1: This is the Sikkim Podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat and Waco. Online at AlanSamuelsDCJ.com. The Sikkim Podcast is a production of Baylor Athletics. Now here are your hosts, Brooke Bednarz, and the voice of the Bears, John Morris.
2: Hi, everybody, and welcome to this week's Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. We're glad you're with us this week. Thanks to Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep Ram, Fiat, our sponsor of our Sikkim Podcast. And we're glad to be joined this week by Paul Johnson, Baylor's uh, head soccer coach. And I'm John Morris, alongside Brooke Bednars. We welcome you, however you subscribe to our podcast, wherever you're listening. We appreciate you tuning in. You can get it uh, really anywhere you download your podcast. I don't know about you, but I'm doing a lot of podcasts uh, this summer. But uh, share on social media and uh, rate us if you would like. Well, rate Brooke and Paul. Don't rate me. <laughs> but rate us if you'd like. But I think you'll enjoy uh, hearing from Baylor's uh, soccer coach, starting his eighth season as the head coach, 13th overall at Baylor, Paul Jobson. And, Coach, welcome to you. How you doing?
3: I'm doing well. Thanks for, for having me on. It's always uh, kind of a shocker to hear – those numbers, uh, eight years as head coach, which, which is really unbelievable. I feel like I just took over for Marcy the other day, and uh, 13 years here as a family has uh, been been quite a blessing, but hard to believe sometimes it's been 13 years for sure.
2: Yeah, I mean, that's true. Let's remind people, I mean, maybe it's been long enough. Folks don't remember when y'all came as a, uh, as a tandem. Uh, Marcy was the head coach, and then y'all were co-head coaches, and then you took over eight years ago. Uh, and y'all
3: handled that, uh, I mean, obviously very, very well. Well, it was uh, definitely something we felt like God wanted us to do for our family. Our our ever-growing family was just starting to to really take off, and uh, I think we were transitioning from uh, second son to third son uh, somewhere in there during that time frame, and we just really felt like uh, God was pushing us to make some some tough decisions, and at the time, we were just really uh, blessed to have Baylor on board with that decision, and I think it's it's worked out really for, for all of us.
0: I was about to say, it's been a family affair. As your family's grown, Baylor soccer has really been a Jobson family affair. What has that been like for you?
3: It's been cool. I mean, what's really cool is my kids don't know any different. You know, We've got four boys now ranging from three to 11, and uh, they've grown up on the banks of the Brazos and on Betty Lou May's field and uh, in the Williams building, and that's just their second home. And I think they're probably missing the facilities right now just as much as I am Uh, in in hopes of kind of getting back over there for for our fall season coming up here. But it's been, it it has been a family affair. It's, you know, the girls that come through here are are like daughters of ours. So uh, it's definitely a family affair. And we just, even with Marcy changing her role, obviously still has a lot of influence on what we're doing. And uh, just her impact and mentorship with these young women is still still a big part of what we're doing. So uh, while some things have changed, some things have not uh, through the years
0: your daughters on the soccer field kind of balance out the all boys at home, would you say?
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a good balance for sure, for sure. I get my, my 25 to 30, uh, 18 to 22-year-old young women and my four very, very young boys at home. It's a good, a good balance for me, I guess.
2: And there was a time not too far back, Paul, when uh, well, Marcy was the all-time wins leader in Baylor soccer. And you, uh, with your success, uh, caught her and passed her, and it seemed like uh, there was no marital strife involved in that. Y'all handled it
3: really well. She was more excited about it probably than anybody else. Uh, you know, we like like you said, it's been a family affair. We've been doing this together, and every every win that uh, we've said every win that we've had in our 13 years has been uh, wins together. And I think she would say every loss has just been mine. So that's that's how it's worked really well <laughs> for us over the last 13
0: years. Happy wife, happy life. <laughs> yes, indeed. Obviously, you both have very strong soccer backgrounds. and before we talk about hers, I'd love to hear a little bit more about yours and just diving into how you came to love this sport and then how you came to build your family around this sport a little bit.
3: Yeah, you know, like like most most kids, I grew up playing soccer. Uh, I was the youngest of three, and my older brother played, and I wanted to be like him. so I played soccer. Uh, and loved it uh, and just been playing since I guess was four uh, and played collegiately and uh, from there started coaching uh, in college and that's when I got into coaching. I really thought coaching would be a hobby for me, not a full-time job, uh, but God had other plans and when Marcy and I met and got married, uh, our first coaching job, college coaching job was together uh, at Northern Illinois University. So they always say, don't get married, move and get a new job all at one time. We did all three. We got uh, we got married, uh, got a new job at Northern Illinois and moved from Atlanta to Chicago all within three or four months of each other. Uh, so they say, don't do it. We did it. Uh, it worked out for us. Uh, but that was kind of the start of it uh, as it just uh, a God thing for sure, putting us in the right place at the right time. And then there for three years and then Baylor called and uh, I guess the rest is history for sure.
0: You mentioned Atlanta um, in in preparation of this podcast, doing a little bit of research and I came across a picture you shared on social media a while back of one of her playing cards where she wrote you a a really cute note and you said you don't keep very many cards, but tell us a little bit about that and why it's so special.
3: That card is right
0: there. yeah.
3: (laughs) Hold on. My fingers are backwards. It's right there. So, uh, yeah, I don't really remember exactly how it all went down. Uh, we were, when she was playing in Atlanta, that's where we met. Uh, I ended up working for the team a year or so later. Uh, but we met there and just became really great, great friends. And we were great friends prior to to dating or any of that stuff. And, uh, so we're just great friends and shared, you know, our, uh, boyfriend girlfriend experiences together uh and, and at some point during that time i think that was even given before before we were even dating uh and it was just you know just a great kind of a funny thing if you know marcy well enough she's just she doesn't give a care about player cards or any of that stuff and she just kind of i think at one point she's kind of like yeah here's my autograph here's my card love you you know it's just kind of a funny thing probably it was shocked to see it on social media that day as everybody else was, um, and I got an earful uh, that day for sharing that, for sure. But uh, just a cool moment. It was a great experience for us when we met that time with her uh, playing professionally, and just that experience for us in Atlanta was uh, pivotal in our in our lives and our relationship. So that card, that card means a lot. So that's why it sits right sits right back there in my home office on the shelf. I want
2: one of those cards. She didn't have to inscribe it uh, like she did to you, but I want one of those cards. That's All great. my love,
0: John. <laughs> All yeah, my love,
2: right. J Mo. Uh, we
3: love J Mo. Yeah.
0: yeah.
2: That's great. That's a great keepsake. What do you remember about uh, when the Baylor opportunity came about? Uh, your first thoughts about Baylor, what you knew about it. And then, you know, it's it's obviously a match, you know, perfectly fit between y'all and Baylor.
3: Yeah, I'm almost embarrassed to say, but I think when the call came through, it was like, I think it was who is Baylor? I mean, honestly, we really, yeah, Baylor. Baylor was not on the women's soccer scene uh, at all. Uh, that we didn't, we really did not know. Uh, Marcy knew she played two years at SMU, so she knew who Baylor was because when she played was back when Randy had started the program and knew their success. Uh, but for me and even Chuck, who's with us too, we kind of looked at each other, kind of like Baylor. Let's look that up, you know. Uh, so. <laughs> But, of course, you get the phone call and you do your research and you start to realize uh, what Baylor was about and what our priorities were as a, as a couple. Uh, me and Marcy, not me and Chuck necessarily. Uh, our priorities as a couple. And I just looked at it like, wow, we, we're, we're young coaches. We should go interview. We should interview. I mean, it's a no-brainer. Uh, and I remember being on the flight from Waco telling Marcy, whoever gets that job, sitting on a landmine a gold mine sorry not a landmine a gold mine Uh, two different mines but it was a gold mine we just felt like its location uh what we knew about dallas and the soccer scene in dallas was just i mean three of the best female soccer clubs in the country are in dallas texas gosh what a great opportunity there's great great soccer all around it it's a beautiful campus it's a christian school we felt like that was an advantage for us recruiting so we were like wow we just well i mean whoever gets that is is sitting on a on a great opportunity and course, when we got the phone call that uh, we were considered for the job, it was uh, just a great opportunity for us. And I think the very first phone call came from uh, Paul Bradshaw to Marcy. We were traveling from Illinois to uh, to Atlanta, and we were in the mountains, and we were getting a horrible cell reception. And I think he was at the uh, NCAA tournament at College Station uh, on the phone with Marcy. So Anytime we'd go to College Station with Paul, he'd always bring up, this is where I was sitting when I called Marcy the <laughs> first day to talk to her about Baylor. So uh, ever since it's just been – we've not looked back once. This has just been such an amazing – like you said, just a great fit uh, for us and our family and our priorities uh, when it comes to, to life and, and the ministry of, of soccer.
0: What has it meant for you to go from – Hey, let's research Baylor. Let's try to figure out what this program is. To Baylor being, like you mentioned, on the soccer scene, a, a well-known, high-ranking program that gets all those recruits and is really a power uh, to be reckoned with during the season.
3: It's. I don't want to say it's unbelievable because it it is believable. I mean, it's definitely a God thing that He's put you know us here to help facilitate this and. Uh, without him, we wouldn't be where we are at, at all. I mean, we pray for the recruits to be here, and he puts the right kids here. Um, and that success is because he's 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 made that happen uh, just as easily as he could say, hey, you're the right people and these are the right kids, but this year is just not going to be a great year. Uh, we've had some of those too. Uh, but just really diligence and, and hard work and just really building relationships in the soccer community to to kind of give a vision for what we thought Baylor could be about to – uh, really just staying steady with what our purpose was going to be as a program and just staying steady with that over the years has been really important. So looking back on it, it, it seems unbelievable. And, and Marcy and I talk about it all the time. It, it's hard to believe at times that we've been here for 13 years and just the growth that we've seen, not only in our program, just Baylor athletics as a whole. You know, We felt like we got here at just such a great time to, to see the rise of, of, of Baylor athletics uh, they've had a lot of success in a lot of sports, but not all sports until really the last number of years. So it's been fun to be part of that and just to see uh, hopefully God honoring uh, Baylor's commitment to its Christian values.
2: Paul, before we get away
3: from your, uh, your
2: family uh, with the COVID and time at home, more time at home, uh, what's that been like? And you got to tell us about Miller, uh, the entrepreneur starting uh, the chicken cooping business.
3: Yeah, that, that kind of came out of a COVID experience for sure. I think uh, as, as a lot of people, there's a time at the very beginning where, you know, you couldn't get toilet paper, you couldn't get eggs, you couldn't get anything. So we couldn't make our own toilet paper necessarily, but we were like, wow, we can get some chickens. So uh, I made a, I turned a playhouse into a chicken coop. um, And in his time with school, he, he's, he likes to to do entrepreneurship. He likes that idea, uh, and fortunate for him, he has an aunt that is uh, fantastic uh, in, in that world, and, and did kind of an online class with him and mentored him through building his own business. So we had just built a chicken coop, so he thought chicken cooping for families would be uh, a great opportunity. So he put <laughs> together a video series uh, of how to build your own chicken coop, um, and I think he I think he sold them for like. The video series was like five bucks, and you got six videos. How to, you know, the, re, the links to resources. Anyway, he did a really a great job with it, but it came out of our necessity of of, of needing eggs uh, to begin with. But he, you know, so we've had a lot of time together here. Uh, it's been that part's been fantastic. The, the The soccer part of it, recruiting, has been frustrating because we, we're not allowed to recruit. We're not allowed to get out and really do what we normally do this season. But the time with family, the slowdown. I, I got to be honest. It's been great. I, I've loved uh, every minute with these with these boys. You know, this five office opens up to my backyard, and uh, I can't promise you that there may not be some loud noise running by at any moment. But um, it, we we've enjoyed it. We've enjoyed the slowdown. Uh, we've enjoyed time together. Uh, we've enjoyed being able to, to to do some things that we've wanted to do uh, for a while. So it's it's been it's been good in a lot of in a lot of ways. And the chicken cooping for families uh, was a good thing too. I think. He learned a lot of good, a good, hard lessons.
0: I was going to say, um, I'm sure you, you mentioned, you know, kind of being away from soccer and having that be a little bit frustrating. But if you look, if, you've, if anyone has met your boys, they know that they live and breathe and even sleep soccer. I believe your youngest son fell asleep with a, a certain coaching book with him. <laughs> tell, tell us a little bit about that.
3: Yeah, uh, a, a little known fact uh, in our family, we we still live in the same house that Marcy and I bought the first when we first moved to Waco. It's a small, you know, 1900 square foot ranch house, three bedroom, two bath. So at one point we decided we would move out of our master bedroom and give it to two of the boys. So that being said, I still have some of my old books in their room. Some of them are coaching books. So. Uh, at night they like to grab books and look through them. And one night I went in to check on him, and he had the coaching, the the four, I think it was the four, three, two, one, something, one of the coaching books I had just kind of cuddled up next to him in bed. And I think I'd posted that on social media, but it was pretty cute. So I got some great responses on that. People questioning, you know, were we going to change formations next year? Because it's not a <laughs> formation that we play. Uh, so some great, great things on that. Uh, so it was kind of neat, but yeah, they, he is also the one that has, uh uh, a bunch of Real uh, sorry, Bar- FC Barcelona jerseys. He thinks his name is Messi. He's got every jersey, and, and he will rotate through them. I think he has four, and every day he has a different one on. So, uh, so yeah, it's a soccer soccer family for sure, and uh, they love to play. They won't be forced to play uh, if they want to do something else. I've got it. all my kids love the game, but they love baseball. They're, they like tennis. They, you know, they love to throw the football. So whatever they want to do, we'll support it as long as they're staying healthy and active.
1: Summertime means vacation time. And while this summer may be different, at Alan Samuels, you can always count on our huge summer clearance event. It's on. We're moving out all remaining new 2020s. Every Dodge and Chrysler car and SUV. Every Ram truck and we haven't left out Jeep. They've got to go too. Deep discounts, special factory offers, and financing. It's time to say goodbye. Adios, 2020s. Alan Samuels Dodge Chrysler Jeep Ram Fiat.
2: Drive forward. Bentwood Realty is a full-service real estate firm with more than 70 high-achieving agents who desire to make a positive impact in their local communities. Their agents stay actively involved in all buying, selling, and investing real estate transactions to make sure their clients receive the utmost level of service. Established in 2011 by brokers Kim Galvan and Rick Hines, both proud Baylor alumni, call Bentwood Realty today, 254-300-4800. They're at 601 Lake Air Drive in Waco and Bentwood
1: Now back to the Sikkim podcast presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat.
2: Paul Jobson, our guest, Baylor soccer coach. This week's Sikkim podcast brought to you by Alan Samuels, Dodge Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat. Uh, So as we record this next to last week in July, uh, tell us where you are with your team Right now, this week, you think things may change by the time someone listens to this. But right now, where are things with your program?
3: We uh, our girls, for the most part, everybody reported uh, for voluntary workouts on July uh, July sixth um, when they were and they reported they did their uh, their physicals, their COVID testing, uh, all of that, It uh, started summer summer two started July 9th. Uh, what most people don't know is that in soccer. Uh, we're not as soccer coaches, not allowed to work with our girls until August fourth. So they're working with our strength coach uh, and working, obviously, doing some other things with with Kristen, our athletic trainer. And so any soccer they do is is coach or sorry is uh, captain led training. Uh, so right now that started uh, this last Monday. So as of this recording, that would be yesterday, I think. Um, so uh, and they're training in small groups, so groups of uh, eight or nine. We've got twenty nine on the roster. So they're training in, in small groups, uh, in the weight room, out on the field, things like that. That'll go for a couple of weeks. And as of right now, uh, our first actual preseason training with the soccer coaches will be August 4th. So that's we're on schedule for that right now, and we're hoping that, that uh, stays consistent. But like you said, that could change as soon as we get off this call uh, yeah. or, or tomorrow or the next day. But we're just uh, hoping and praying that we get to play some soccer um, this fall.
0: Have you been able to keep in touch with them through Zoom meetings or anything like that? Or will August 4th be the first time you guys actually, you know, kind of open the door and communicate and start looking to this season?
3: Now, we've been allowed to have, have meetings and have, have Zoom calls. So we have a, a scheduled weekly uh, Zoom call. Uh, we try to touch base every Monday just to, you know, really with everything changing, you know, it's usually an update on what's new. Uh, but, and obviously as a staff checking in with individuals on individual phone calls. So really the, the re- main restriction is you just can't, you can't train them, you can't practice with them. You can't do sport instruction. So really just been limited for not, not being able to, to do sport instruction. So just keeping up with them on, you know, Zoom meetings weekly as a team and then individual meetings, you know, via phone call or uh, something like that with our staff, just to, just to help them through that transition. Uh, of the unknowns that we've all been going through for the last couple of months. Uh, but Baylor's done a great job of providing resources for them uh, and for us to help us through this time. So I feel like we'll be as, as prepared as anybody uh, when we when we hit the field here in a few weeks.
2: All right, you've got the platform here. Uh, as a soccer coach uh, of a major uh, school in a Power Five conference, would you like to have more contact with your players over the summer? <laughs> not – yeah, this is a setup question. Not Yeah, yeah just... I like it. I like it. <laughs> On August fourth, how how would you like that rule to read?
3: Yeah, Jimo, you know me. I don't have many hot topics. I'm not I'm not a stir the pot, pot kind of guy, but this is one that gets me uh, for sure. So thanks for the setup on this one. You bet. Uh, hopefully, my computer doesn't glitch out on this one. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, we're expected to for these girls to show up August fourth. Uh, most years, we're going to have an exhibition within that that week, uh, and our first uh, real game is really two and a half weeks after we report. Uh, so that time frame of having no contact with them the entire summer and then show up and expect them to be able to play, be able to compete and play at an extremely high level, really puts them in a in a, in a bad place. I think physically and, and health health wise, uh, sets them up for injury. But you know we need to have contact with them. You know basketball, who you know they don't play for another couple of couple of months. They've got summer contact. Football has summer contact. Uh, I think volleyball and us both do not have summer contact and we're fall sports. So for us to be able to engage, even if it's a couple hours a week with our players, they're already here during the summer, taking summer school, uh, really help train them up on their skill. Um, If you think about these kids that are playing at an extremely high level, uh, there's obviously 365 days in a year. I think we only get about 120 with them uh, throughout the year. And the biggest dead spot where we have no access to them leads up to their competition season. So the three months prior to the time that they're expected to perform at their highest, we have no physical interaction with them as it pertains to their sport, just phone calls, just talking, just, Hey, how's it going? Uh, that sort of thing. So it's something that uh, we've been pushing for, for years. We're making some movement. There's some traction. Uh, but we're really hoping that the NCAA can come to their senses a little bit just for the health and wellness purposes of our student athletes to allow them to have, you know, summer training with their coaches uh, moving, moving forward from here. And I, and I hope that the COVID piece of this, you know, helps that also, because uh, I think um, not only have they been gone these three months, but extend that back a few more months into March. Now uh, that period has been even greater. So we're having to watch how we progress these girls back into competition uh, this fall.
0: You mentioned that kind of putting a stress on possible injuries and things of that nature last year. You guys seem to kind of be plagued with injuries and and a few illnesses and things of that uh, that type. Um, how do you feel going into this year?
3: Yeah, I, I feel great quite honestly. I, I think I said earlier, I think we're in as good a position as anybody uh, going into the season, just because of the one the commitment of the athletes, the commitment of Baylor and our staff uh, to do the best that we can to have them prepared. And the main the main thing was just mentally, and spiritually having them prepared and obviously giving them opportunities of uh, things that they can do, uh, you know, physically to stay healthy. But uh, that mental and spiritual piece is going to be huge going into the fall. But, um, you know, last year was, was really kind of a wake up call. I think, yeah, that we can always say there's injuries and we did, we had our, our share of injuries and illnesses and things that, uh, but that group continued to fight. But what comes out of seasons like that is a renewal, you know? So the girls that are returning, uh, are excited, uh, obviously, to have a, another opportunity to play. We're bringing a huge, huge freshman class that is, uh, you know, quality from top to bottom is just fantastic. They're going to push the level. Um, they're, they're quality people, quality players. So I think the level is going to be raised a little bit, um, and I think just the, the, the intention of things will be higher as well, just because anytime you come off of, of, of a down year, uh, there's always a, a, a resurrection, you hope. Uh, into the following year. And I, I think our girls are are definitely ready for that. And I think that's what's honestly probably bothering them the most right now is the unknown of is there going to be a season because they're so fired up about kind of being able to come back and, and, and get back on the field and kind of yeah. prove some things that were left undone last year.
2: You did this before a few years ago, didn't you, where you had a huge freshman class. Uh, almost half the team were incoming freshmen.
3: Yeah, that class graduated two years ago.
2: Okay. Yep. okay.
3: that was the Julie James class, the Kendi Brown, that, you know, yeah. Jackie, Ariel. That was that class started with thirteen. So we see what that did, right? We hope that's right the trajectory, right? Uh, but that was a that was a that recruiting class was on the heels of our 2012 championship. So we recruited that class off of the success of 2012, and then we saw them their success really play out in. 17 and 18, 16 also, you don't see it as much in the record books, but 16 was a good year, but 17 and 18, obviously were two of the most successful years in program history. And that class was a big part of it, their leadership and things like that. So um, it, it happens every once in a while. It's not necessarily intentional, but our, our roster got pretty low and uh, we just had a lot of kids that continue to be interested in the program that were good enough to compete. So, you know, in our hot spot is 28 to 30 and we're right at 29. So we feel really good about the the number. Uh, And how we're going to move forward as well.
0: How big is this freshman class?
3: There are 14 girls. Uh, We had five report in the spring for our short spring season so they got a little taste of what college is like uh, and the rest are reporting this this year but technically there'll be 14 new faces uh, for this fall.
0: Well I'm sure you're (laughs) eager not only to get to see your whole your team as a whole and the other coaches and just be on the field but to actually get to see a large number of your team for the very first time
3: yeah I mean we're we're excited I mean we we say every year this time is the worst time of year for us as coaches because they're all on campus uh, and we can't train them you know so it's kind of that real really frustrating part of our of our year that they're here we just can't do anything with them yet uh, outside of having conversation uh, so we'll take that for the next couple of weeks but we are we're excited I mean they're they're just uh, the returners like I said are are excited the leadership group is uh, excited to, to get to get moving and see uh, you know kind of the 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 production from what they've done all, all summer just keeping in touch and and building building their their young players and bringing them on board and that's one thing that I think our program, has always done really well. And this isn't, this isn't us as a staff, it's our our girls have always bought into the culture of get the young players on board as fast as possible will lead to our success. Uh, It's never been, we're seniors, you know, yeah, you got to earn your keep and you got to earn your way. uh, But it's never been, we're going to push you down. We're the seniors. Like we've got to get you on board quickly because some of you are going to be able to contribute and we're going to need you. So that's important over the summer for these girls uh, and they've done a great job with that. And we'll see, hopefully, the benefits of that as we return here in a a few weeks. If
2: you need a trailer, Flat Rock Trailers has got you covered. From light-duty single-axle utility trailers to the Big Tech's Tandem Duels, we also carry a full line of enclosed cargo trailers. Need a motorcycle trailer? We've got them. Need a dump trailer? We've got the largest selection in the state. Oil field trailers? We carry a full line of Big Tech's trailers to handle all your needs. Trailer repairs? We repair all makes and models. We'll even rent you a trailer if you need to use one for a day. Flat Rock Trailers, your number one source for all your trailer needs. Find us at flatrocktrailers.com.
0: Relationships Community Home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now, there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics.
2: Paul Jobson, our guest, Baylor soccer coach. This is the Sikkim Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. We appreciate you uh, subscribing, tuning in. Wherever you get your podcasts, you can find the Sikkim Podcast. Paul, you mentioned uh, a lot of injuries last season uh, on the field. It was tough in that category. But uh, there were no brain cramps. Uh, Your team did very well in the uh, classroom last year. Really some program highs uh, in the – well, in the spring, it was an all-time uh, high term of uh, 3.82 GPA.
3: Yeah, and I, that's just amazing to me. You know, we were all, you know, I think all of us as a, as a culture, as a, as a university, as a, you know, university group, all universities, all athletic departments are wondering, how are our students going to do when they go home? Uh, and our group is always smart. They always do great in the classroom. And I think them having the, the added time to really focus in on that uh, really paid off for them. That's one thing we talked about throughout this, this, this spring when they left is control the things you can control. And right now is an opportunity to really focus academically because that's going to be um, the greatest part of your, your time that you're going to be able to spend. So really focus on that. And that message, obviously, I don't have to bark that out. They get that uh, no matter what. But I was really proud of that uh, for sure. Uh, but anytime you set that bar high, right, th- there's that what can we do this fall now um, so, but our group, our academic services, Aaron Tebow and his group do just a great job, uh, assisting our girls, even through that time of even still having tutors available and, and just having the access to, for academic success, uh, was not the, the, the foot was not let off the gas at all by anybody during that time. So I was, I was proud of that for sure.
0: Well, and when you look at their majors, their pre dental, health science studies, engineering, accounting—you name it—a um, wide variety. But let's kind of focus in a, on a for just a second on those those health fields that they're working on. Um, not only is it great that they're succeeding in the classroom, but that's not. That's a standard that's been in the Baylor soccer program for a while now. Um, And as we talk about COVID and how we're having to Zoom right now in order to do pretty much anything these days, um, you were able to kind of recognize or the Baylor program was able to recognize some of your former players who are on the front lines right now, who have left your program and gone on to make a difference in the world at a time when things are really uncertain.
3: Yeah, you know, we've been, you know, that's been a, uh, a big, I guess, not push, but an attractive piece to the Baylor program is, you know, the health sciences. And, and there's so many of our former players now that are out that are, uh, that are, that are doctors, that are on the front lines, that are, you know, are finishing up med school or there's anywhere in that uh, spectrum. But, you know, what's been cool is to talk to some of them that are out there, just their, their, their passion for people is the number one driving force for them getting into that, that industry, even with the uncertainty and the conversation of, Hey, you know, with everything going on, has it changed your, your decision or your opinion or, you know, you still, you know, if you're in med school, you still got time to get out and maybe change courses and that just the just their, their steadiness uh, in their course and and knowing what God's called them to do uh, has been really cool. Uh, And just watching what they're doing, even some that are in the engineering field that are working for companies that are, coming up with, uh, with solutions to some of the problems that we're having medically right now. So, you know, inventing devices and things like that is just so far over my head. Uh, I'm just a soccer coach, so I'll stick with that, but just so proud of the work they're doing. It was really cool that, uh, that, uh, that we were able to, to recognize them as a university, uh, just the work that they're doing. Uh, just unsung heroes for sure. Um, and just amazing the things that they are, they're doing in our, in our communities, uh, just around the country. They're all over the country.
2: And we talk about, you know, we hear it from Mac, uh, preparing champions for life. Boy, that is living, breathing success stories there.
3: Yeah, they they really are champions for life, and they are championing championing life. You know, you can say it a couple of different ways, uh, the impact that they're having on people, and and not even, you know, the things you don't hear about that they're doing is that they're full-time into that, and they're still volunteering in the youth ministry at church. You know, they're still doing other things. It's like, hey, you're you're not doing enough overachiever, you know, (laughs) 4.0, you're going to go get the extra credit. Like that is who they they are. And those are the types of athletes that we're hoping to recruit and that, that come through our program of whatever you have your name on, you want to excel at it. Not because you want your own personal gain and greatness, but most of these girls are coming, coming through because they want to glorify God and what they do. And uh, those girls that we've been able to really highlight this year. And I know you had a great conversation, uh, JMO with Dana Larson, uh, who graduated from here a number of years ago part of that 2012 championship group Uh, just, just fantastic young people that uh, are just, just amazing. I, I, I'm just blown away and amazed by, by what they're able to do.
0: Relationships, community, home. Now more than ever, these are the things that we're holding fast to. Home should restore us from today and ready us for tomorrow. It's where stories are told and relationships are forged. Within those walls, memories are made, laughter is shared, and family is gathered around the table. For these reasons, we believe in home and that right now there is no better place to be. If you and your family are looking to buy or sell a home, head over to magnoliarealty.com. Magnolia is a proud sponsor of Baylor Athletics.
3: I hate my job But I don't mind getting up in the morning I dread each day But I can't wait to get out of bed You and ask me why And what I'll say to you is true Well, you can get breakfast tacos at Rudy's Barbecue Scrambled eggs and brisket, they ain't foolin' around. Salsa, wraps, on they're the best in town Barbecue for breakfast, yes, it's true Put a smile on your morning at Rudy's Barbecue
1: Next in line you're listening to the Sick'em Podcast, a production of Baylor Athletics. Here again are Brooke Nars and John Morris.
0: Well, I know we're looking forward to seeing you guys on the field. And um, I mean, that's all that we're hoping for, at least. Um, but your y'all's schedule was published a little while ago. Can you kind of tell us just what you know as of right now?
3: Uh, I know there are going to be some changes. Uh, you know, we've had some conferences that have made made decisions already that are going to impact our schedule. So there are some games that, that are on our schedule that's published that that uh, that are going to have to come off that we're looking to replace. Um, and that, that seems to be across the country, obviously, what, what's going on. Um, so there will be some changes, but uh, we're trying not to diminish the quality of opponent uh, by making changes. We had a really tough schedule. I mean, we had, I think, at one point uh, – Three teams that were in the final two of the final four teams were on our schedule, um, and and so we're we're really trying to bump up the competitive nature. But right now, I think I think everybody's just hoping to have enough games uh, and be able to play as many games as possible this year. Um, that and that's just the goal right now is let's let's try to play some soccer. Let's get together. Let's play. Let's play safely uh, and make sure we can have a have a quality season.
2: What's your mindset? Uh, I mean, you you have to be able to uh, pivot. Is the new hot word. You know, you have to pivot when, when necessary. Uh, how, how do you handle all that in your mind knowing you've got a schedule right now, but you know, it could change at any moment.
3: Yeah. The good thing is, even though I'm five foot four, I did play a little bit of basketball. So I know how to pivot. I can pivot <laughs> you know, you're the short guy on the court. You better be at a pivot or you're going to lose <laughs> out big time. So uh, yeah, I mean really flexibility for us. It, that's been our kind of our go-to word this, this COVID season is, Hey, we gotta be flexible. We gotta be ready for anything. Uh, it's like the game of soccer. You know, it's not scripted. Uh, it, it's you've got to be flexible. You've got to be smart. You've got to look ahead a couple of a couple of things. And if it's not that clear, you just got to be ready for whatever's coming that day. So we've been trying to take it. And JMO, you know, I say one day at a time. Anyway, that's I think you probably get tired of me saying that during the season, uh, in our interviews. But it, it really is true. We we are especially during COVID season. We've been given today. Here's what we have for today. Here are the decision we can make for today that hopefully set, us, hopefully set us up to be the most successful tomorrow if we're given that in the days after and after and after. Uh, but that's that's what we're doing with the girls. And I'm so excited that they're able to play soccer right now just with the, each other. They've been waiting for this day, so they're going to embrace that for a while, uh, embrace the soreness uh, that they're feeling probably right now from training with each other and the weight room that Stacy, uh program that she's putting them through. Uh, but it is one day at a time, being flexible, pit, being able to pivot, Uh, all those things that that we're hearing is just so true. And uh, having to guide uh, 18 to 22 year olds through that um, is is difficult at times, but it's not any more difficult for them than it is for us. I I don't think. Um, But I think that we all have to have people in our lives that can help us navigate that. And I think the great thing about Baylor having, you know, it's Christian based and it's Christian mission. You've always got that piece to fall back on that, you know, God's got things under control and while, at times, it, that's not very comforting, you know. It, let's be honest. Sometimes, like us, oh, just just control it. Um, but knowing that he's got things under control, he's got a plan. Uh, he loves us. That's all we can really take into each and every day. And I hope that that comes out of this more than anything else. With it, just the craziness going on, is that God's a God of love, and He He loves us, and He's going to create opportunities for us for us to to glorify Him and what we do. And We hope as a program, a Baylor soccer program, that's something that we can do whatever we're given uh, this fall.
0: I don't think you could have said that any better. No. Um, have you been able to visit with the girls and hear how their first few days of actually, you know, being back on the field have gone?
3: Yeah, I mean, especially the, the youngsters, you know, hey, how's the transition going? You know, I don't, I'm not allowed to know details of who's doing what and whatever, because I can't know, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I can't check in on how they're doing. And uh, it, it's, it's a new world. It doesn't matter if you're coming out of covid summer or normal summer for a freshman it is a big transition and uh, they will realize as they talk to some of their other friends at other schools that they're blessed with the team that they have to help them through this process but uh, they're they're so excited man they're just up to this last Monday being here for two weeks going through all the testing and things they just could not wait to get on the field to play soccer with their new team Uh, that's that goes for the veterans too excited about the new kids coming in so that excitement is there right now this was day number two for them and um, just the excitement they have to be out there is, is awesome. And I'm, I'm totally jealous. And I told them, rub it in our faces as much as you want to, because we've got another two weeks till so we can do it. Uh, but we're just as excited. But they're just, they're just soaking it all in right now.
2: Paul, we see uh, professional soccer is being played uh, all around the world. That's one sport that has sort of continued, albeit uh, in empty stadiums for the most yeah. part. Um, that might be one scenario, do you think, that we see this fall here?
3: Yeah. You know, there's, I think anything is an option right now. I, I think full stadiums is probably not an option. I think it seems like, but uh, any, any capacity of, of, of zero to, to half or whatever, you hear all kinds of different things. But I think from an athlete's perspective, obviously uh, playing in empty stadiums is way different, obviously. Um, but if you have the choice of playing, playing or not playing, an athlete's going to choose to play. And uh, the great thing now in an era where everything is going to be broadcast on television or on the internet uh people are going to be able to see it uh, uh which is which is great so parents won't be too left out fans won't be too left out um in the cold but we, we just hope you know if we have an opportunity to play or, or not play uh, that not be you know relevant to the number of people in the stands but just be able to to compete will be fun
0: well and you've got to feel pretty good because if anyone has gone to one of your games in the past There has never been a lack of energy coming from your own team, whether it's the girls on the field playing and communicating with each other or you and your coaching staff and the rest of the girls on the sideline with you. There is a lot of energy and a lot of excitement coming from your group You know that you can kind of carry that through regardless of the number of fans that we may or may not have this season.
3: Yeah, second only to the excitement you see in a softball dugout. Yeah, it doesn't get any more exciting than a softball dugout. I'll just tell you, we, we try to replicate that. You just can't. But you're right. Our girls do a great job. They stand up the whole time, and, and I think a lot of that started back when there really weren't a lot of fans coming to games, and we had to be our own. You know, for lack of a better phrase, our own, our own cheerleaders, our own fans. Uh, so it's kind of something that just kind of started and just has just stayed through uh, to now, where they stand up and, and cheer on their teammates. And I think it's there's a great support there of being able to hear. Uh, the support from the sidelines uh, when you're out there competing. Um, but, yes, we'll be able to hear uh, more of our more of our team um, from the sidelines than we have in the past. Paul, you have to be proud, you and Marcy
2: and the staff, uh, in the way you've really elevated the sport of soccer here in Central Texas. I mean, it's a big deal. Uh, you've, you've cultivated that. The first Kicks program, you know, is really big, getting younger kids involved. And, you know, just growing up with soccer as one of their sports – uh, that that's been intentional on your part, right? Hadn't it to uh, to to really develop a love for your sport?
3: Yeah, I mean, there one thing we realized when we moved to Waco was that there are there are a lot of soccer people uh, in Waco. Just that community really hasn't come together as one. And we it, it, we never came in and said we want to be the authority on it. We, we don't. We want to be part of growing the love of the game. And I think in our time here, because we've been here so long, I think we've been here longer than maybe some other people have ended up leaving over time. But, you know, instituting the, the Little Bears program and some of that, to be honest, was for selfish reasons because our kids were coming up through that, too. Uh, but just growing the game kind of in a neutral space. You know, we're not a rec league. We're not a select team. We're not, you know, we're just we're just kind of want to be kind of a, a hub where people can come enjoy great soccer at a high level at our stadium with our girls playing. Uh, the, the kids know they have access to our players during some of the programs that we do. As for especially the young girls, some mentors, but the young boys too. You know, young female mentors. Uh, just that relationship's been pretty cool. So it's been fun to watch that grow. It never goes as fast or grows as fast as you want it to, but if it's done the right way, it'll happen when it's supposed to happen. But uh, I mean, I am excited about um, how soccer has has grown and developed in this community over the last few years, and we hope that we've been you know, a positive part of that.
0: Well, Coach, I know that we've talked a lot about all the different things that you're excited for, and I know that John and I are right there with you when we say that we can't wait to see you guys out on the field and playing some soccer, but if you had to narrow it down, this is going to be hard, but if you had to narrow it down to just one reason, what are you looking forward to most when Baylor Athletics return?
3: Baylor Athletics or Baylor Soccer?
0: Either. Both. <laughs> Baylor soccer.
3: Quite honestly, I'm just ready. I'm ready to be in a room or on a field with my team. I just I just cannot wait to get uh, the group together and and just just be together, start driving towards our, our goal to to win championships there this year and do it the right way. It's just everything feels so fragmented. We're all in different places doing Doing things to prepare ourselves to get together. So when we finally get together to be able to make that first step as a group towards the season getting going, that's what I'm right now most looking forward to because that's the that's the closest thing that we've got right now is is that first step. So I'm I'm really really and I know my staff is the same. Just Jonesing to uh, to get to get that first step of of getting together all in the same place face to face to To start moving forward with this season, because that'll be a really, really big first step. Uh, because I think there's times through this, during all this, that we weren't sure that would happen. Mm-hmm. So, we're really looking forward to that.
2: Well, we're right there with you. Can't wait till you get back on the pitch and uh, get things going again. We appreciate your time today. Give our best to Marcy, but thanks for uh, giving us some time. And uh, great to learn more about you and your family and your program.
3: Well, appreciate you guys. And I think I've said this before, but I, I'm looking forward to talking to you guys more because that means we're having a season. So I'm definitely looking forward appreciate y'all's time and what you guys are doing for, for Baylor Athletics. And I appreciate this podcast. It's been a cool cool thing for all of us during this during this COVID season. So thank you guys.
0: Well thank you.
3: Thanks to Coach Paul Jobson, Baylor
2: Soccer Coach with us. And that's this week's Sikkim podcast for Brooke Mednars and Coach Jobson. I'm John Morris. We appreciate you being with us. Join us next week with another Sickem podcast.
1: You've been listening to the Sickem podcast, presented by your friend in the car business, Alan Samuels, Dodge, Chrysler, Jeep, Ram, Fiat, and Waco. Online at alansamuelsdcj.com. The Sickem podcast has been a production of Baylor Athletics.